Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we dig into some of our favorite games and discuss what we can learn from them and just why we like them. For those of you out there counting, this is episode number one, so I guess this really is the first time you're joining us unless you have listened to the Alpha episode, which, uh, my you lucky few. Yeah. Um, now, uh, today we're coming at you, it's May 10th, 2017. My name is Chase Strollenberg, and as you just heard, uh, my lovely co-host, Stu Gritter, is uh, hot on the mic, ready to go. I was going to say my name is Stu Gritter, but you said that already, so I, know, I, I just, there, uh, there you go. You ruined my intro. I'm taking all the things from you. So if you could pardon me for just one second, I'm actually, actually going to type on my computer because there's some stuff I want to say. Um... So one of the things that we didn't do in our alpha is uh, actually just explain what it is that we're doing. So I think the best way to do that is to just actually read our mission statement right off of learnfromgaming.com. Sure. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to do that. It's, it's a quick little blurb and it'll really get across what it is we're trying to do. So um, we at Learn From Gaming believe that gaming can have a valuable impact on a person's life and that video games can help shape the types of people we are today. Our hope is that by expressing our opinions to you, we can be constructive to the gaming culture as a whole and promote optimism and enthusiasm uh, within a pastime that is too often considered a hobby. Uh, Each podcast segment is going to be dedicated to a collection of games um, of our choosing where we discuss what might be learned from that game, why it's significant, but also what makes it fun. Additionally, we wish to help create an oral history of video games, often talking about and exploring aspects of games that some of our viewers may be too young to have ever witnessed. In all, Learn From Gaming podcast is a labor of love, so it's created for fun with the intention of exploring the intrinsic educational value of video games, both new and old. And uh, yeah, we're hoping that you enjoy it. So that's the mission. Stu, do you think we can do it? I I firmly believe that we can. Okay, cool. So then, uh, one thing that we sort of fell off of is uh, personal introductions. So, Stu, we got a lot of information about you last time. Would you be able to reiterate? Yeah, well, hopefully. Um, I think I haven't changed that much since last time. <laughs> Uh, I haven't gone <laughs> back in time and changed too many of the things that I've done, but uh, right. yeah, I, I I grew up as a, I guess I, I grew up as a PC gamer. Um, started on the Commodore sixty four, and moved up from there. Um, my education goes from English to computer sciences to video game sciences and and all kinds of kinds of wonderful things. Um, I've worked. <laughs> I worked for a little while in the gaming industry. I've had my hand in a couple of different mods and some music production and all kinds of wonderful, fun things. And it's just, it, I don't know, gaming is a, it's always been a passion to me and I think it needs to be treated uh, with more respect as a, an art form. And we're slowly, slowly getting there. Right, yeah. Um, so is there anything else you want to say before I, um, you know, dig into who Chase Rollenberg is? Um, well, I, I feel obligated to say something now, and not just to delay you saying something <laughs> about yourself, giving myself <laughs> okay, a bit of a ahead. reprieve. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, go ahead. Um, 
No, no, no. That's 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 okay. I think I'm 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 pleased with that. Um, yeah, yeah, good, good okay. and great, great well, and good. Um, great. So my name's Chase Strollenberg. Um, I've played video games for as long as I can remember, starting back on the, the Intellivision. So um, I was more of a console gamer growing up than I was a computer gamer. But uh, I forgive you. We got a. No, like here's the thing. Like we got we got the PC, uh, well a PC. Uh, I can't even remember what kind of computer it was, but we could play stuff like uh, Sierra games, like Space Quest. Um, and then we eventually upgraded. We got like a 386 or 486, I can't remember, and eventually started playing Warcraft and stuff like that. So, I mean, my experiences aren't as lapsed as you might think. Because I did have consoles through that entire process, but I also had computers, and it was just, like, I was incredibly lucky. Um, And, you know, just sort of continued my gaming education from there. Now, in terms of actual education, like, I... (laughs) I pale in comparison to used to. Um, I've uh, I've got a degree in literature and technical writing, which I use professionally. Um, And then I've also got uh, a little bit of psychology and then like the most rudimentary amount of uh, computer science now when i first started discussing this podcast with you Stu, like my intention is pretty much the same as what it is right now like just want to look at games think about the stuff that we just took out of them while we were playing them while we were growing up and just sort of I'm not going to say like marvel or celebrate, but it's one of those things where you don't realize that it's happening until after it's happened. Um, And that's what we want this podcast to be. Uh, So at times we may get a little academic, um, but we're going to try and scale it back as best as we can. And if at any point during an episode you feel like you're being like ostracized or and i'm not talking about used to i'm talking about the audience like you feel like we're not communicating to you properly just call us on our shit like email us at uh learn learn from gaming oh where did my email go learn from gaming podcast at gmail.com and just say could you please explain what you meant um because that's what i want to do i want to be able to take these theories these concepts and make it so that everybody can understand and access them. Um, does does that sound good to you, Stu? Yeah. Is that something you want? Yeah, and it, it, it's especially important because, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, we're, we're bound to get caught up in some nostalgia at some point or another because we've, we've started this out by talking about games that were important to us while we were growing up. So there is a nostalgic factor there. We're, we're trying to be honest about what we learned from it and... Uh, maybe be able to i don't know even just acknowledge where some of that stuff came from and you should it yeah. should be relatable to contemporary stuff too but sometimes yes. we're like we're both educated in, in communication but we're at the end of the, we're both crap at communication so when we screw it up <laughs> we, we, yeah call us on our we, shit. we need to know that yeah yeah call us on our shit just uh email us at learn from gaming podcast at gmail.com just uh just do that um yeah. Also, like, no. You know what? We're we're gonna yeah we're gonna we're gonna hold off. <laughs> we're gonna hold off. Let's just see. Um, we'll see if anybody gets upset with us about the, some of the stuff that we say. Uh, because for the most part, as you said, 
Some of our memories are going to be nostalgia driven, but the thing is, these memories are form like they're formative memories, right? They're yeah. the building blocks of who we are. To think that video games are such an integral part of our lives, um, especially considering how much time the average person commits to video gaming, um, like when I was growing up, it was the first thing I wanted to do. And it was, especially as I got older, it was the last thing I did every day, right? Like before I went yeah, to bed yeah. um, until I discovered masturbation. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, like uh, it, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, it, a lot of, lot of hours logged. And I don't want anybody to buy into the concept that this is time that was wasted right you never really know what you're taking away yeah. from a game until you go back and look at it critically yeah so yeah and it's important and to I, do that because gaming like we learned a lot when games were young when the yes. indus- when the industry was we little fledgling like <laughs> subculture tiny little geek thing nerd whatever call it what you will uh, it's yes, it's a, it it's cool. a teeny tiny bit more prevalent now and yet, yeah. yet we still there's a lack of conversation about what people are taking away from it. I think. Yes, I and I agree. Um, but you know what? Let's uh, let's start shifting into the next section because I feel like we covered that pretty good. Like yeah. our intentions are pretty clear now. I think so. so. Hope so. Um, yeah. Next up is what we learned this week. So uh, this is a segment of the show where we discuss things we learned about gaming this week. So Stu and I love to hear about tech, and we love gaming news. So remember that if you, the listener, have any news or tech updates you would like to hear us discuss, just share them at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, maybe maybe you'll flood our email. I don't know. Um, but uh, for me today, uh, actually, you know what, Stu? No, I'm going to let you go first. Do you have anything you want to talk about? Because I got I got I got a few uh, things I want to clean up, and then... I actually have some stuff that I want to to jump into. Well, I guess the uh, the only thing that that came across my desk today was the uh, was that today recently was uh, Steam talking about their just just their plans for the the store page and everything that they wanted to present to people, and that's uh, I, it's it's hard to call that news, but I think it's really important to look at what major companies are doing when i mean it's it's the primary distributor okay. at the end of the day so then and uh, uh, yeah just actually elaborate um so like we should most people will know what steam is but steam is like a digital distributor or distributor of uh, of video games and basically the king of digital mm-hmm. distribution right now so what is it that they're trying to do well they i planning to i do. would absolutely be lying if i said i read it top to bottom um, their their manifesto <laughs> okay. and their plans and w- what they want to accomplish for everything. It, it's hard for them because they want to be everything to everyone. Um, yeah, I noticed they're they're doing movies like, um, and because I I own a few <laughs> yeah. anime games. Yeah, because I own too. a few anime games, they're like promoting anime. It's yeah. like, hey, do you want to buy this? It's like, no, I've got Netflix, I've got Crunchyroll. Yeah. Why would I? Yeah super weird but they're they're just trying to make that shift into the uh i think it's the iStore, right they're they're really just trying to be your uh your media one-stop shop yeah because the iStore, for whatever reason has never even attempted to touch games outside of apps and i mean yeah. apps 
apps are apps. But like, uh, I don't know. It's 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 just that's it's an, interesting. That's all. Okay, so then, like, what what actually are the the proposed changes, if there are any at all, um, that we could it, well like understand? It's it's like a long term goal, from what I saw, and uh, like they're not saying like, oh, we're, we're gonna put two more games on every page for everybody. They're 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 just <laughs> very loosely saying, you know, we want people who check the store every day to find something new that might be interesting, and people who you know, only check in once a month, they'll see the big things that, that are most likely to be important to them and, the, you know, cater to everyone. And I don't know. It was pretty loose loose and flowy goals. Is it, So is it using your purchasing history to advertise to you? Because I feel like it does that now already. Oh, it, it yeah. They already use... It uses they, analytics they, they to use track you. They use a lot of analytics. They try and tag all the games to see what genres and subgenres you might be interested in, see what, what your price points are, see what your friends are playing, see what your friends' friends are playing, You know, see what's trending within whatever markets you may or may not be close to. Yeah. So it's, it's just... Okay. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot there. <laughs> okay. Well, cool. Um, sort of a... Yeah, sort of a weird story. It's like how we get advertised to, um, because it's a very rare gamer that isn't on Steam. I mean, the digital divide, people who don't actually want to engage with gaming on the internet, that that's still a thing, but it's one of those things that it's getting harder to understand as access to the internet becomes so convenient. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just the way the the way that Steam advertises to me right now is a little creepy. Um, like, uh, I I was listening to a podcast. Um, I was listening to what was it? A classic gaming podcast. And one of the uh, one of the hosts, his name is uh, Robert Ring. He downloaded a game called Honey Pop, and it's it's a hentai game. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know what it was, oh, so I went and looked at it. And yeah. so like. I feel like I'm branded now because now every now and again it's like, oh, sexy hentai girl game. I'm like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Awesome. And I also bought, yeah, I bought a game called Death Smile because it's a it's a shmup. It's a yeah. it's an okay shmup made by um, a really decent company. So like it's it's a shoot 'em up. You know, you fly around and you do whatever. And I and now I'm just branded. Like every every other week I get a new advertisement for a sexy anime girl game, and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> clean like just scour your analytics please just don't don't try to advertise well, and, this to and, me, and that's that's part of what they like they want the reasons why like in this case it's pretty transparent why that's happened right there is an instance of this kind of game that was tagged a certain way so that's going to recur um but yeah. in some cases people aren't sure why things are showing up and th they want that to be more transparent and let the let users kind of control that a little bit more so that if there's like like I play Smite a lot. I'm yeah. not even remotely interested in any other MOBA and I Steam barrages me with MOBA stuff. They're like, you played Smite, try this thing, try that thing, try that thing. Like no, well, yeah. no, 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 no. And it's it's really frustrating. Well, but at the end of the day we have to understand we're using an advertising tool to open our games, right? We're using an advertising tool to execute. Well so Well yes. But what's the use of that? Like, if Valve isn't getting any benefit from it, it's irritating their users, 
their users aren't buying things that they don't want. Like they, they want to open that up as much as possible and help both parties, right? It's kind of this. Okay, yeah, it's this. True. It's the same argument behind like why clear your cookies. Um, Facebook. So Facebook is going to give you ads. Why not let them tailor those ads to you? I guess it's it's so, that right. same so kind of thing. So then they're trying to make it better. They're trying to make it better. Yeah. Theoretically. I I, I, I imagine yeah. they're not trying to make it worse. So. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, so was there anything else, or should I jump into my stuff? Uh, no. Go. Go ahead. Okay. So. Um, I'm going to touch base on two books very, very quickly because these are books that I'm reading right now and they're kind of relevant to the show. So uh, the one book is by James Paul Gee, not James Paul Lees. I I mess it up quite a lot. And it is uh, (laughs) What Video Games Have to Teach Us About Learning and Literacy. And this is a book that really uh, uh, published in 2014, so uh, pretty recently. Um, I mean, in, in video game terms it's already antiquated but whatever um the the practices are light years ahead of what you were learning in schools too yeah oh, which yeah. was how to you know well, how to analyze the narrative compared to like a shakespearean play of yeah like, yeah well jpg did have some stuff published when i was going through it but it was very it was very minimal and he was very much liked by by everyone who studied anything that he had done but he had yeah. not yet garnered any power within academia to to give any sensible theory any traction right whereas this book is basically one of his theses or one of his books like literally saying hey this is what i think um i think that each video game genre is a new literacy that needs to be learned um and like to me when i read it when i every time i hit literacy i just sub in the word vocabulary so it's a Mm. new language Mm -hmm. um and the thing is and we've already we've talked about this a little bit if people want to go back to the alpha and you want to sort of get a better feeling for it but he is very academic this book is not as accessible as it could be and that's why i bring up my second book which is uh kurt squire's video games and learning teaching and participatory culture in a digital age, so Kurt Squire and Paul or James Paul Gee, they they know each other. They collaborate. Uh, JPG actually wrote the foreword for Kurt's book. Um, Kurt also has a site called Joystick101.org, and it's basically got the same mission as our podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it got DDoSed a little while ago, mm-hmm. and then they just sort of got tired of being attacked, but. Um, it's uh it that book's a little more approachable it's it it's got some examples in it it's got um well basically it talks more about mmorpgs and uh just community building and a lot of the stuff that we're probably going to end up focusing on just we we view it as intuitive and we'll probably bring it out of a game each t- or out of games as we talk about yeah. it where whereas James Paul Gee, you and I could read it, get it, because we're university grads. I'm not saying that somebody who isn't a university grad won't be able to read it and get it, but it will be harder. There are a bunch of theories that are presented. Uh, Gee tries to explain them as best as he can, but the problem is he's he's rooted in academic in that academic format. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Kurt, uh, he does a little bit of a better job in his book. Just sort of opening up the new games and learning. Yeah. 
so <clears throat> sorry i wanted to mention those two books because <laughs> they uh I like I picked them up after I got the idea for this podcast and I started reading them. I haven't had a lot of time because I recently had a baby, um, so I've been having trouble getting through them. Um, but uh, first world problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Um, the other thing that I came that I came across now that I've sort of got those out of the way is um, I was listening to an RPG podcast called uh, Acts of the Blood God. It's hosted by Cat Bailey um, and Natty Oxford. And they mentioned Tim Sweeney, who he's the programmer from Epic. You yeah. know, he was an instrumental in creating the Unreal Engine. Yeah, um, got some some big big notoriety behind his name. And he was suggesting, and this is this is a pretty interesting idea. He was suggesting that deep learning will come to video games. Um, now, when I say deep learning, I mean not you and i deep learning like oh you know i'm gonna think about the universe i'm i'm talking about ai deep learning like uh, the type of ai that engages you learns from you grows and responds Mm -hmm. did you read that article at all uh no i didn't but it's not at all surprising to hear that um, now, what's the, the, like Sweeney, Sweeney's issue was he he said this could happen and it should happen, yeah. and then he proceeded to say, and nobody's really doing it. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. and that that's um, that that's been a um, a complaint a lot of people have had for for quite a while is that um, the gaming industry has been it's interesting the the way the gaming industry has been proceeding compared to everything else in uh, the the I guess the discipline of computer science because neural networks and, and computer like learning machines, it, there's so much room there and there are so many other statistics about, you know, Halo launched and then within this many days, you know, <laughs> millions of, of man hours have gone into the game and like that, that is a resource that could be harnessed to train computers to do things, to be more interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's I I mean we can I I personally love AI. Like I love the concept um and I I think that when a, an artificial intelligence gets to the point where it is autonomous and when I say autonomous when it can think for itself and it's not just doing what we told it, that's when it's no longer an artificial intelligence. It can be defined as a created intelligence that can function on its own. Um, but that's that's a whole other podcast that we could do yeah. that has nothing to do with learning. Yeah. Now, what I find interesting and what uh, Nadia, who's the uh, the co-host on that uh, that other podcast, actually touched base on is, what if you program a deep learning AI to break someone's heart? What it like? <laughs> Okay, that was a totally nope. different direction than I thought because I, I was thinking um, that's the kind of thing that you could train. I mean, using something similar to, say, call it an ELO or a, a ranking, a mastery ranking, where an AI can decide what it is a player, like can identify a player's patterns and and <laughs> and realize yeah. what they need to practice to get better I, at something. Like, yeah, pick, like so pick a skill, I, I, right? 
Yeah, I understand where you're coming from, whereas this was actually specifically from an RPG podcast, like an Mm -hmm. RPG standpoint. It's like embed deep learning AIs in in RPGs, see what happens. See what happens. Right. Um, Just so like imagine WoW with deep learning RPGs. Imagine even Skyrim because Skyrim has the most rudimentary type of AI, right? These guys run on a procedure. So like if you're not there, they will do stuff regardless of whether you're engaging with them or not. And occasionally it turns into something hilarious when like a giant shows up um, and then they just have to respond to it while they're trying to wash their clothes. Um, but like Nadia, Nadia was saying, if this isn't as far away, and if people start paying attention to it, I know that right now VR, like people are trying to figure out how to do the VR stuff. Yeah. But imagine, like imagine somebody's just like, okay, you know what? I'm gonna throw as much money as we've thrown into VR, into deep learning in RPGs, uh, especially MMORPGs. Like WoW. Um, I mean, not WoW specifically, but something like it. You would have people that would never get away from their computer. Like, especially if, say, like, it isn't the person that breaks your heart, but say it's the the deep learning AI that you've convinced to love you. Right? You've got... <laughs> I'm scared now because I'm thinking about it. Like, I was mentioning, like, hentai and stuff like that. But, like, you've got, you've got guys and girls who would never step away from their computer because why would they have to, right? Suddenly that drive to find companionship in the real world is completely gone yeah you're already, um, you're already getting your dopamine from those yeah from those yeah, rpgs yes. so yeah it uh yeah it was interesting i mean i'm i'm personally a fan of nadia's approach like what if something breaks your heart i because th- i think that would be the most incredible <clears throat> gaming experience like you fall yeah. in love with something and it ruins you um, but we can talk about that later. Hooray, I uh, can't wait. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, but that, that's really all I have to say about that. I thought it was super cool. Um, like, and I'm interested to see what, like, because it will happen. It may, I'm hoping it happens in our lifetime. I expect it probably it, will. It, it's, it's a, it is expected to. Yes. Yeah. And the fact that people are already talking about it, I'm thinking maybe a decade. Hopefully. All right, you heard it here first. Get, yeah, I can't wait to get my heart broken. Um, okay. <laughs> Ten years minus before we have <laughs> heartbreaking RPGs. Yeah, uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, so you know what? Let's, uh, now that we're on that uplifting note, what, how about we shift into... What do you put on the box? <laughs> this game will break your heart. <sighs> And then spit on your face. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, back to hentai. All right. Yeah. Oh, with tentacles mm-hmm. in your bum. Um, okay. So next section is what we learned from gaming. So this is really what I'm assuming people came for. <laughs> not the tentacles in the bum or breaking of hearts, but uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, the 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 classic yeah, stuff. Yeah. This is the the top shelf uh, pseudo academic crap that we're going to be throwing around so Stu, i just talked a bunch all right i would like you to go first if that's okay all right so you want to know what i've been doing recently huh? um i want to know yeah i want well not not what games you've been playing but specifically the uh the what we learned from gaming so what game you want to talk about today okay um well i think i decided on uh 
gonna, I'm gonna keep the the Sid Meier's train rolling. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Only it's not a train. Yeah. It, it's a boat. I was gonna talk about Sid Meier's Pirates because it's a great you game. You know, there are trains that ride on boats. Um, yeah, actually, there are. Uh, the, the trains link into the game. Actually, you can you can rob trains, kind of, sort of. They're, it's not really a train. Sid Meier's Pirates. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, I, I, I wanted to bring it up because um, it that was the first re- real open world game that I ever played. Uh, so that, that that's always been interesting for a million reasons. Uh, it was it was kind of simulationy. You know, you you pick. An allegiance with one of the four uh, traditional Sid Meier's European colonies. And you go to the Caribbean, and then you decide what you want to do, which is probably uh, shoot a lot of cannons at other boats and take all their nice things and sell those nice things to other people and uh, be piratey. Uh, and it's, it's I don't know, it, 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 was, it was really neat. The, the freedom that you had in that game, again, with appropriate consequences, was was really really solid you had to i guess i I guess so what like what were the core mechanics well i guess the objective was to retire from piracy as wealthy as possible so (laughs) okay this meant uh hopefully marrying a lovely lady you could that could i think range from a, a a bar wench to a governor's daughter, uh, which I, I guess that affects your your long-term standing and the estates that you can have. And you want to gather as much land by doing good deeds, or not good deeds, by doing piracy um, for, right. for one of the four, for, <laughs> for one of the four powers. Um, right. Stealing ships, you sell stuff, you have to keep your crew happy, you have to keep them fed, that's important. Uh, because a, a hungry pirate is a mutinous pirate for sure. <laughs> yeah, or a dead pirate. Yeah, you know. yeah, uh, yeah. So, so there was a lot of fencing. You had like ship battles, uh, which was a lot of fun. Be- that that part in particular, because the wind was always a big factor. You could have a small ship that was very agile with you know like twelve cannons and try and bring down the uh, man of war or something like that. These massive, you know the. Trump Tower of of seafaring vessels with a million guns, and you just have to, you know, be nimble and blah 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 blah. And there's sword fighting, of course, because fencing is important. You could even choose different swords. You could have the pokey pokey sword or the hacky hacky sword, and it's great. Because I mean, come <laughs> <Okay>. on. <laughs> oh, Stu, you're the best. So um, it, yeah, so just make money, you know. Give yeah. give money to your crew, and then get a new crew, and go oh, on another pirates adventure. Are the original rappers, yeah. yeah. Pirates are the original rappers. They kind of like were, it. yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of bling. <laughs> now that I think about it, I never really understood. Yeah. But now, see, you do learn. I think rappers learned a lot of things from Sid Meier's Pirates. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, they definitely had access to PCs. <laughs> There's no yeah. cultural divide going no, on. No. Um, okay, so then I guess my my question, like, mm-hmm. admission here, mm-hmm. never played Pirates. Not once. <clears throat> you should. It's fun. 
I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I'm like I'm I'm waiting for you to sell sell me on it. But um, I guess uh, in terms of educational theories and thoughts, like what do you think you pulled from this game that was really really sort of significant? Well, that was the first experience I ever had with, um, I guess, being presented with an open world. So it was. You know, like, yeah, it, so like it was, it was, a, it was a step beyond Lego blocks. It was a step beyond, you know, every other party of your life when you're a kid is like that. Yeah, eat breakfast now, go to school now, do dishes now, whatever. <laughs> and yeah. so it's very constrained and constrictive. So now all of a sudden, having the freedom to do whatever, it just it just having an open sandbox to make choices and see what happens, and uh, like forge your own destiny, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it, it it really it forces you to be a bit more self-driven than anything and else you, in your life. So it gave you agency. Yes, like a, a, a very specific type of piratey agency, but it gave you agency. <laughs> but still agency, yeah. Yeah, I find I find this interesting because um, actually, like Kurt Kurt Squire in his book, uh, he also talks specifically about pirates, and it was the the subconscious stuff that he was learning that he didn't even realize that he had learned. Like, it's not just that it's a sandbox; it's that it's an actual accurate map. Yes, it's it's so he was learning the Caribbean. Geography. So you learn about like it's the only reason I knew where like Gibraltar was or. <laughs> you know, like yeah. where's Puerto and, Rico? Well, I remember that from pirates. You know, <laughs> why? I don't know why that one. Uh, Barbados is over there. That's great. Like, well, why does your brain remember these things? I don't know, but it, but it does. Well, it's yeah. It it that is sort of what we're trying to get at here. It's like the the subconscious stuff. Like, um, I think another example. Uh, I don't know if Kurt ever talked about it, but. What are the significant differences between the swords, and what sort of swords did you have access to? Well, that that was a very, it was a very tiny, tiny I difference know it's piddly, between the two. But it, but it might be significant, right? Like a rapier compared to a saber, compared to a claymore. Like you may not think that that's significant, but a good example is Bushido blade. When I used to yeah. play Bushido blade, you got the difference between those swords yes. very, very quickly. Yeah. Right. Um, no, they, so, yeah, they, they, it was just kind of a defensive versus offensive. The rapier was very defensive. The cutlass was very offensive, and I think it was just a, a called a long sword, which was the uh, the medium. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then, uh, how about personal engagement? Did you play this by yourself? Did you play it with other people? Um, um, so, why did same with most most of the games that I played growing up? It was stuff that I saw my brother playing and then also played and sometimes with friends sometimes alone just kind of it was a single player game so it's eh there's that <laughs> okay um so then uh do you want to do pros cons or do you just want to do a summary um I, it's i guess it's a little bit hard to um to throw pros pros cons at it um it was still very, like, even though it was an open world game, obviously, it was very, very early in in the history of gaming, and it's, it's not like you could decide, oh, I'm gonna sell my sloop and buy a vineyard and be a own a winery, you know. It's a very limited 
still limited range of things that you could embark upon to accrue your wealth. Um, okay. But um, yeah, aside aside from that, I don't know. I don't know. I think I think now. Sorry, I was gonna say, what if somebody made a pirates game now, but the game it's didn't been, end it's when been, you retired? No. Oh, oh, well, yeah, you could do that too. <laughs> so then, yeah. so that it just shifts from being pirates into wine country. Type <laughs> yeah, <game>? well, yeah, <laughs> you're a crap pirate. You got fifty doubloons. So, what you gonna do versus? Um, <laughs> Yeah. Jail Tycoon. No, uh, sorry. Uh, no, Jail Simulator? Well, could be, yeah. I mean, it, 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 Pirates has also been re-released a bunch of times. The original was ported to many platforms, and, and I think the, the recent one is, surprise, surprise, on Steam. Um, with some more bells and whistles, there, there are a few extra features in the newer one, but the core, the corest of core mechanics remain very similar. Yeah, I remember coming through school in the early 2000s and a remake had come out and everyone was playing yeah. it. Except for me. Oh, well, way to go. You missed out. I forget you... what I was playing that year, but it was not Pirates. I think it was Warcraft 3. I think it was busy playing uh, Warcraft sure 3. It wasn't some hentai game? Oh, you're funny. Mm. Um, uh, it could have been Final <laughs> Fantasy 11. That oh. was the first MMO I ever played. Um, but, uh, hmm. okay, cool. Um, was there anything else you wanted to say about pirates? <clears throat> I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm really undecided on it because there are so many like tiny things that, that, that you could learn from that game, like insignificant things like this is how you tack when you're sailing, you know, th- this is, these are the number of sails on this ship. You know, these are the ma- right. this is the mass structure of that ship, and that's I don't know how much of that <laughs> sticks in your head. So like but, broadside, you know. port side, aft, rear <laughs> parts of the oh. ship. This yeah. is where the cannons fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, cannons go yeah. sideways. Like if you haven't seen pirate ships before, you're like oh, guns go sideways. In every other game in the world, they still were shoot everything in the world sh- was still shooting straight. And yeah, and they don't do that on pirate ships because they don't. So so there. They never did. <laughs> yeah, and they couldn't. Um, well, unless you know it's Pirates of the Caribbean, and then it's the the triple we, yeah, cannon yeah. right on the front. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah, but that was neat. Well, yeah, yeah. that's good. That's good. Okay, you want to put that baby to rest? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. If I if I think of anything, I'll shoehorn it in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, I'm like I'm sure there's tons of nuggets mm-hmm. of uh, pretty in, like pretty interesting stuff in mm-hmm. there, but uh, I've never played it. Uh, okay, so then how about this last ditch effort? Try to pitch me this game right now. Like try to actually sell me on it. Well, every- I'm probably not going to buy it, but just give it a shot. <clears throat> Everyone has always wanted to be a pirate. Always. If you have never wanted to be a pirate, you're a dirty liar, and that's wow. the first step of being a pirate anyway. So just get it. that is surprisingly convincing um that's a that's known as a rhetoric trap it's uh it it is a lot of good fun it is interesting to see what you can get away with um it's fun to go and be a pirate like you can pick a side or you can pick no sides and be on your own or you can try and pick two nations you can you, you can assault cities if you want you can sack towns you can 
hit the Spanish, uh, the Silver Fleet, as it's sailing away from, you know, trying to get the ink and gold and stuff away from from the New World back to Europe. Like, there's, there's just, there's so much stuff that's open to you. So then, the PC game, yep. Mountain Blade, is it, like, pirates on horseback? It's only it, it's you actually played the stabby. It's it's probably one of the the closest comparisons that you'd be able to make. I think there, uh, mountain. Because I love I love that game. Yeah, and it's it's arguably similar. Um, I think it's a little bit harder to the the goals the end goals are a little bit different and i think that that really shows like in mountain blade if you really want you can take over the world it can be frustrating but you it can it, it can be done time. um in in pirates you do your crew does get old and tired and they do need they need to retire even though you're a badass pirate boss you take longer but the game does slowly force you into retirement as you take wounds from from fencing as you go through the emotional toils of, of doing the plunder and losing crew and trying to woo women and accrue land and all this stuff and just getting old. They, the game does eventually force you into retirement. Oh, Stu, how did you not bring that up? So it actually teaches you this is This is your a lot of time. Well, does it? I, I don't know. It, but that's, I mean, that that's like the circle of life right you can't pirate forever <laughs> no no you're born on a pirate ship and then you go till you retire with your it, so, hundreds yeah, of acres so pirates and... even in pirates you can't pirate forever no 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 pirate can pirate forever unless you're the deep learning ai no even then the rules say oh, no you get old i mean if in all honesty a pirate ship is probably a terrible place to put a supercomputer so let's just not even worry about it <laughs> yeah very damp um, okay. Well then, you know what? Let's uh let's shift gears. I'll start talking about my stuff mm-hmm. then. Um all right. So my uh, <laughs> I I'm 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 kind of laughing cuz I'm not <laughs> It's like my I I want to prove that I can do it. So yeah, my yeah. game today is Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Um and it's many better brothers. So like uh, Street Fighter 3 or Street Fighter 2 Turbo, Street Fighter Championship Edition, Super Street Fighter 2 and even like uh, I think the Switch is coming out with uh, Ultra Street Fighter 2, the Final Challengers which is I guess the final iteration of the game and definitely trying to get me to buy a Switch. Yeah. Um, Because I I love Street Fighter so why... the, the the entry point the the cost point of the switch is what's holding me back only because I'm in no position to buy one. Yeah. But um, okay, so Street Fighter Two. It was published by Capcom. Uh, huge, huge in arcades back in the early 1990s. Had a really, really slick port for the Super Nintendo in 1992. And um, this game is a technical fighter. So the core mechanics. Uh, the idea is you beat, you pick a character, you beat the opposing character using the directional pad and the buttons that are provided. There are six buttons. This was the same in the arcade as it was for the uh, the Super Nintendo and eventually the Sega once they released uh, the new controllers. And it was a weak, mild, and strong punch or kick. 
but you could also use unique moves and special skill sets uh, because every single character was different, with the exception of Ryu and Ken, who were basically mirrors of each other, but further on down the line of games, they actually shifted their, their move sets apart. So, I was just like, I, I, this isn't necessarily me trying to challenge myself, but mm-hmm. you look at Street Fighter and you think, how can you possibly learn anything from that? Um, that's never how I've looked at Street Fighter, because uh, number one, nostalgia. <laughs> like, I've got this nostalgia goggles on, <laughs> heavy. But But number two is, there was so much going on in that game that I didn't even realize. So like in this game every character has unique uh complete like unique and completely different move sets and special moves. So like playing this game hand-eye coordination is super important. But so is practice and patience and memorization because you need to remember what each button does when you hit it. You need to remember that when you're standing up straight and punching it does one thing. When you're crouching and punching it does one thing when you jump in the air and and punch it does one thing um but every single character it's a different thing so a good example is there's a character named guile who's this u.s army guy when you crouch and you hit the strongest punch you do an uppercut but there are other characters like um delsum when you crouch so he's he's sort of like a yogi um also this we're going to talk about the cultural significance of this game in a second (laughs) um but uh delsum when you crouch and strong punch he shoots his arms almost completely across the screen and does like this elastic body thing where he just his arms like stretch out and most other characters don't even have an attack like that but that like everybody was different in this game so did did you did you ever play street fighter i did yeah yeah um i i never uh i never mastered any of it but yeah all the characters were different i st- i still there's this st- always gonna be a soft spot in my heart for blanca <laughs> that's that's fair um now uh, uh okay well we'll talk about blanca in a second mm-hmm. um so some of the best technical fighters and i'm talking in the genre as a whole so fighters as a whole um they relied on you memorizing character animations um complete move sets so that you could predict your your opponent's moves like you're looking at them okay they're jumping this is the set of abilities they've access to so basically when somebody's jumping you just have to know approximately 12 of the moves that they can do if they don't have a super move in the air um but if this seems like it's getting heavy and a lot that's where the practice comes in that's where the the patience and the working uh the actually playing through stuff comes in um so in terms of personal engagement like for me this game was both a community game but also a private experience the reason why it was a community game is i played it my brother played it even my dad played it because when we got the super nintendo like i'm I'm talking about the super nintendo itself um when we got the super nintendo this was one of the first games that we got and it looked awesome unlike anything else we'd ever seen definitely not like anything we'd seen on a computer and not like anything we'd seen on on any console before and i mean even to this day the like the pixel sprites still hand uh, still stand really well like they're they're not (laughs) they're not awesome by any stretch of the imagination like it's 2017 people are doing so many 
like really really cool things sort of hearkening back to that but with the technology that we have now so it looks amazing um but it was just such a a good looking game and the controls were tight it felt good to play um everything responded the way that it was supposed to and it was just like everybody wanted to play and the fact that it was a two-player game like you could both play at the same time and it, it became a competitive thing um but <clears throat> you wanted to sorry i didn't mean to clear my throat into the mic um you wanted to make sure that you were improving right like when you were playing competitively i guess it depends on the type of person you are but like me, whenever I had the chance, I would sneak downstairs, play this game to start getting better at the character of my choice. And I mean, this stuff took time, it took effort. I would start increasing the, the skill levels of the game because you could go into the options and do that and then play the one player and it would just scale up the difficulty. The computer would get better and harder. And then it got to the point where the only way that you could beat them is if you knew all of their moves and it could just sort of predict what they were doing or uh, stick to a number of moves that would win you the game. Um, so, what am I trying to say here? I guess I'm trying to say that growing up with Street Fighter, like, it taught me a pretty valuable lesson. And that was that, uh, training towards a goal and playing against my family members helped me identify my progression from when I was training by myself. But also, um, it, it taught me that winning wasn't everything. Um, that when I was playing, I should probably be humble in my victories and that each defeat was a lesson, not a failure. Like, okay, I can identify that I should have uppercutted when he was jump kicking me instead of trying to slide kick under him. Um, just identifying things like that, then growing and improving. And that is how you build a skill set. <laughs> my skill set just happened to be fighting mm-hmm. in a game. Um, but I mean, that's really how you build most skill sets in general. Um, especially, well, I'm not going to compare this to sports. Well, maybe I could. Do you think that's fair? That's oh, a fair comparison. I, absolutely. I was. I went climbing today, and the climbing, like the the bouldering rocks. Um, I'm very, very new to everything, and I'm crap at climbing. And I was surrounded by. Today was the first time. Young children. Young children who are brilliant at climbing. <laughs> it was infuriating to watch. Uh. But today was the first day I saw a lady who, I, she looked like 70 years old. And she was just like slow and steady, climbing up stuff that it's going to be like years <laughs> before I could do the stuff that she was doing. I was just flabbergasted. And it's by appearances... Like if you if there were if there was a small child on one side of me and, and an elderly lady on the other side and you said pick the one that's going to climb the highest most people would probably point to me, and I'm by <laughs> far the worst there and it's just practice 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 and you got to go there and like these people are doing these crazy crazy climbs and crazy routes and I'm trying to do the like baby climbers you know like put a soother in when you're going up this route because you're clearly a baby and you just gotta like check your ego at the door and and do what you can right learn learn from the things that that you aren't able to do yet and that can be your next goal yeah um so i'm actually going to bring a little bit of history in into this so street fighter 2 
actually resurrected the fighter genre for gaming. Yes. There was a bit of a fighter genre for the original Street Fighter, but that was based... Like, even that Street Fighter, which was revolutionary for its time, and hats off Capcom for for even just attempting it, was really just based off of one of... uh, I think it was Nintendo's original Kung Fu games. Um, And not a lot of people saw much merit in this genre, but what Street Fighter did is it resurrected arcade-style fighting and it also basically created one of the hugest genres of uh of gaming that would endure straight through the 90s and into the early 2000s i mean fighters aren't as popular now but they're still a very significant subgenre. yes they're, they're still alive and I'm, and i wish I, I knew more about like fight fighters are not a genre that I'm I'm strong on in terms of history or anything. So I don't know where the Mortal Kombat's versus the Street Fighters versus the Tekken's how they fit in and yeah, where their arcade just, lives yeah. were and for honestly for um for Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat it was I think the difference of a few oh I, I approximately 6 months. 6 months to a year. Um if I recall correctly and I, I feel that Street Fighter is more significant specifically because it's the one that defined what came after. Like, afterwards, everybody was trying to either produce uh, some sort of fighter and then just upping the gore to make it interesting um, or just, like, uh, static dudes that all did the same thing but had different movesets, which is what uh, Mortal Kombat is. Yeah. Mortal Kombat is everybody does the exact same moves. But you got a special. With the exception. Yeah. Yeah, but we've got yeah. you've got different special moves. Whereas Street Fighter was much bolder in that every single character was very different. Was yeah, yeah it was different. But more specifically, like, um, <laughs> do you okay? Do you remember? Uh, oh no, this is actually yeah. this is opening up. I was gonna say, do, do you remember the literary criticism uh, or uh, journal literary journalism? class that we had with um alexander uh professor alexander oh, at, uh, yes. at our school yes, yes, yes. we actually read an article on street fighter 2 and it was written by susan orlean and it was it was one of the first things that we read and eventually we ended up reading the orchid thief uh by susan orlean as well which was what a fucking trip that book yeah. was um but um the article on street fighter literally laid out the experience of going into an arcade for a little boy because that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. She followed a little boy around and just it was his engagement with well it was a day in his life. Yeah. But it was his engagement with this arcade machine and that's something like that's something you don't get anymore. Anymore. Yeah. And I feel like we might encounter this a lot, and there's well, nothing wrong with that. Well, but. it's it's debatable, right? I mean, because to me, that's where the online ladder comes in. Like, you're not... You, you miss the shoulder-to-shoulder kind of action, but th- there's still, like, there's a limitless queue of people ready to play against you right now. And you don't have to yes, wait in line. No, I I guess like the um, putting the quarter on the on the yeah thing the was things really that get lost yeah, yeah the, um, the nuances of the culture are are missing but 
Yeah. So, like, to, to, to just explain for anybody who doesn't get the quarter reference, right, like, Arcade Machine's eight quarters, uh, and that's how you would play a game. You'd put a quarter in, you'd hit start, and you'd play. Um, it's weird for me to say that because I think that everybody just understands it, but not everybody does. Uh, even though we do have arcades now and some of them take tokens, like, we're getting to the point where you just swipe a card and you play, right? And that's if you're lucky enough to live near an arcade. Um... Now, in order to play Street Fighter, because sometimes somebody might be playing by themselves, um, etiquette, and etiquette was a big thing yes. when you played Street Fighter. Sometimes, like, if somebody was playing by themselves, usually what you would do is you would ask, hey man, do you mind if I play against you? Because what happens is when you put your token in and you play against them, if you beat them, their game's over. And that means any progress they were making while they were playing single player is lost. And some of these people, they would just play it because they wanted to see the ending because it was like a, a shitty <laughs> Capcom early 90s anime ending for your character. Yeah. And that was your reward. But um, so etiquette was you asked if you, if you could play. If they said yes, um, great. Now, if two people were fighting... Oh, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm doing something right now, aren't I? <laughs> You're good. You're good now. Okay, good. Um, if two people were fighting and you knew it was going to be a thing, what you would do is you would walk up um, and you would put a quarter on the machine and just say, okay, I want to be next. And people would queue up because this game was so good. It was so awesome. People would queue up, put quarters on a machine, just waiting for a chance to play. And if somebody was really good, they'd stick at that machine and they'd trounce Trash everybody who showed in up. Line. It's, and it's fantastic um, to watch that kind of stuff, too. Oh, my God. Now, like, everybody's got a claim to, uh, like, a story of glory, uh, glory claim to fame. Like, um, and you, you can you can go into those as often as you want. Like, even I've got a few where it's just like, you know, against all odds, I won. Or, yeah. you know, I almost won and then lost. Yeah, but yeah. Like those are, it was it was like <laughs> it, it was like the earliest version of Twitch that we had was you could go there and you knew like Simon was at the arcade on Wednesday nights and Simon would bring two quarters and play for three hours and beat the shit out of everybody. It was just like to watch somebody just in the zone and being excellent at something was so cool. Yeah. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna start transitioning just because we've been. Yeah, on yeah. this for a bit so like like my house it wasn't deeply competitive um but like the way that we played games it was communal growth so like as we learned how to play street fighter together and this was everybody learned how to play yeah, street fighter yeah. together um like we learned how to do the special moves as a family because once one of us figured out how to do it we would show other people how to use the uh the control pad and the directional pad yeah. to do it yeah. um so, like, it promoted communal growth over singular excellence. Like, we weren't just trying to get one of us to be the best. But, the, like, the result was the latter occasionally occasionally happened. Like, I ended up being the best Street Fighter player in our house. Um, but it's because of that communal growth yeah. and the, the lack of... Like, it's not that we weren't competitive competitive. It's we weren't aggressively competitive. And that's where the <laughs> pros and cons come yeah. in. yeah. <clears throat> right so like healthy competition can result in both great attitudes towards rivalry based games as well as in sports but it, it also teaches the value of humility when we lost 
you were humble about it, but like you tried to analyze why you lost. And that's that's a lesson that not everybody learns. Now, this game demanded a type of hand-eye coordination that like you might actually still use to this day. Most video games do this, especially action-based video games, but like the skills that you learn when you play fighters are the same skills that you learn when you drive because you need to understand that whatever it is that you're touching or moving in a car you can't look at it while you're driving because you have to have your eyes on the road when you play a fighter you can't look at your controller you have to have your eyes on the screen or else you're gonna lose um different sort of <laughs> severity in your failure um yeah, kind of, kind but but if like if you told me back in the 90s that playing fighters exercised the same capabilities as what I'm going to need to drive I would have been like what cuz I would have been like 6 or 7 <laughs> so I'm just like but it, it's it's interesting that that's actually something that happens now the cons for this game and uh, they they cannot be overstated um, sometimes there can be a lack of an opponent if you're only playing by yourself mm. or if nobody else knows where the arcade is where you're going because arcades are so rare now. Yeah. Um, also, people can be sore losers um, and wreck arcade machines. And uh, <laughs> even the body has its limits, right? Like, as I get older, I'm not as good at fighters. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a manual dexterity thing. It's a hand-eye coordination thing. Um Reaction like time I got, re- yeah, uh, it's it's just how it is. Um, I was lucky enough to grow up with fighters, so I've still got a lot of that muscle memory. But that will fade with time, and it's not just skill fade. It's just you know, it's th- this is one of those genres where you do age out of it, whether you want to or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though I feel like this game is just as approachable today as it's ever been. Not everybody is going to take the time to learn it. Um, and that's because you sort of needed patience to do it. It's a, it's still uh, like a beautiful game and there are beautiful like renditions of it now, but still not everybody's going to play it. And, um, and and that brings it all full circle back to our our deep AI. Cuz man, <laughs> if if you you could play single player and and the the AI would recognize, you know what? You need to learn how to properly utilize Ryu's uppercut. So I'm gonna barrage you with this dude and you're gonna use the uppercut a bunch and win and then you'll get it. That sounds wonderful. That does. I <laughs> I just I still I remember scaling up the AI in the original Street Fighter for Super Nintendo and how quickly it would figure out um, that when I was ducking, I was getting ready to uppercut the shit out of you. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, well, I can't use that move ever again. I have to figure out some other way to beat you yeah. moving forward. Um, but yeah. I mean, in summary for this game, like even one of the most vilified genres in gaming, like in the early nineties, because compliments mortal Kombat, um, yeah. it, it could still yield, some truly great learning experiences like the the reason why people were upset at fighting games conservative groups were upset at fighting games is it was promoting violence yeah the visuals now, all the visuals yes it was the visuals uh, but what <laughs> yeah um and that was a, a very large thing in the 90s that sort of you know 
to suggest that somebody's going to play a violent game and then become violent themselves, that takes a very specific type of individual. Um, I would argue that if that is actually the case, that individual probably shouldn't be playing video or that type of video game because they're getting a type of arousal that is probably not healthy for mm-hmm. them. Um, but I mean, there there is very limited evidence to suggest that playing a violent game makes you violent. The average person, that is not the case. There are statistically a few people who that might be the case, but like I just stated. Those are the people who maybe should be encouraged not to play it. Um, that said, like this type of gaming in general produces a truly great learning experience. And fighting games in particular are a great chance for you to teach each other. Like especially things like codes of play. Um, if somebody wanted if somebody were to walk up to me and be like, Could you please teach me how to play Street Fighter? I would die. (laughs) I would be like, yes, I will teach you the ways of Street Fighter, you know, and then like pull out my Super Nintendo and uh, just, you know, just just take the time to help them out because number one, it's great having somebody else to play with. It's just one of those games where I never get tired of it. Mm -hmm. And um, number two, like, I don't, it feels rewarding when, okay, yeah, I'm going to get into it. For fighting, and actually for me, for play, when I play someone who is either just as good as me or a little bit better, that makes me want to feel so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you beat that person, like, I know this isn't about winning, but when you beat that person, that represents growth. That represents learning. Um, And that, not only do you, like, get that huge shot in the arm of, like, uh, dopamine it's like yeah i won but it's just like you won but you also you learned like you grew and overcame so like i i love that that is part of gaming culture and it's i don't like the vitriol that occasionally comes with (laughs) yeah (laughs) and and that's that's one of the things that still that still sticks around not only in fighters um in RTSs to to a degree as well. Anything that has that one-on-one component where when you play against someone, I think it happens more quickly in fighting games where if you win, if you're playing against someone who's equal level, when you win, they learn something. They got better. Next time when they win, you'll learn something. You'll get better. And it's it's that wonderful... It's it's this complementary learning cycle. It's wonderful. Yeah, um, RTSs, that's actually a very good comparison, uh, the, the type of learning and growth that happens there. Um, also, the skill fade <laughs> <laughs> that happens when you don't play those games. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so you know what? Um, I'm going to actually, uh, we're going to jump into the next section quick, but I'm just going to take a quick look at our, I'm going to hope for the impossible and see if anybody actually emailed us. Uh, so... Um, I don't think I asked anybody to. Oh, let me see. I'm Go I'm gonna quick email email and say, um, Chase, teach me how to play Street Fighter Two. Don't do that, cause then I will die. <laughs> I will literally die. Uh, I feel lied to. I really do. Oh God! Don't ask me for my phone number. I'm not gonna no. <laughs> email. Uh, nope, pretty empty. 
know, there's some some asshole asking me to teach him how to play Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, uh, I don't know no, who yeah. would do such a thing. <laughs> Social. No. Okay. Yeah. That's uh. No that's us. That's us. So nothing. Okay. So then, uh, this next section is uh, what you can teach us. So Sue and I love talking about video games. We just spent a uh, respectful amount of time doing so. But we also enjoy hearing from you. So if you feel like you have a valuable lesson that you've learned from a game, please send it to us. Communicate it to us. Like, send us an email at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. We'll read it out loud uh, because we love this stuff. And, like, we'll react to it. Um, and we, we like to hear from you. So just mm-hmm. go right ahead. Send us an email at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, hopefully I won't have to say that too many more times. Um so next up we've got uh what we've been playing so Stu, i just talked a bunch again how would you like to tell me what you've been playing oh well um i, w- I was surprised a couple of people have been um actually actually somebody just reinstalled uh uh payday 2 again uh-oh yeah yeah um i i haven't really gotten into it enough um i just wanted to throw it out there as a funny thing um, Hearth, but Hearthlands. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. Um, also, it, what? Hearth, Hearthlands. Oh, okay. It's right. just another one of those uh, town building, town building games. Uh, I've, I've right. got, Dwarf I've got a, got a couple hours in. Well, a simpler concept, but that same, that same genre. Oh, I would put it I in. loved, I loved playing Dwarf Fortress. I hated learning how to play. Dwarf oh Fortress. yes. No, that that um, that that d- absolutely describes everyone's experience with Dwarf Fortress. <laughs> everyone, which everyone is, loves having played Dwarf Fortress. Nobody likes, nobody even likes playing it actively. Oh, it's fun God. to well, it's fun to to have that experience after okay, after you've had it. <laughs> let's assume this is a magical world where nobody else knows what Dwarf Fortress is. So, what is Dwarf Fortress? Dwarf Fortress is a very it's a simulation of um, you're in control of seven dwarves. Um, you embark on an adventure. You're outcast from your hometown or whatever. You go in the middle of nowhere and you start up a new dwarvy town. Um, and absolutely everything goes wrong all of the time. You need to find food and water. You need to get them alcohol because they're dwarves. You need to find a sustainable life. And, and people will immigrate to your town and ruin everything nice that you have ever made. Um, goblins come and attack you, or scarier things come and attack you. Um, traders will come and go. It's it's just it's very simulation heavy of trying to build a town. Yeah, and I think what like what really appeals is there is just such a rich textual background like uh what made it so difficult to approach was it was almost ascii it was yes yes it it, it is still uh, an ascii interface there there are plugins that you can get to give it really shoddy graphics but um, yeah it's Um, yeah it's not it's it's not it's nothing to it looks like um a a bad 80s or 90s like early 90s hacking movie dos screen gone wrong (laughs) <laughs> and yet this is a game that could produce such possibilities as you dig too deep you get um 
Kazadum, right? Like you, yeah. you dig into the monsters and they kill your entire civilization. Or a good example is you're you're building a you're building a beautiful, beautiful fortress under a mountain, and you dig up once, and you dig into a river and you drown, drown all of everyone. Your they they um, go crazy sometimes. Yeah, they, they that was one of my that, personal favorite. Oh, was man. the the crazy thing? Like, uh, was it you or me who had the? The dwarf who was slowly going crazy, but he was an artisan, so we kept him on because his goods were so oh. awesome that they sold, sold really for a well. Bunch. Yeah. And then he went crazy and killed people. That I don't know. That sounds like most. I think most, that was me. Most games. I uh, yeah. one of my favorites is still. Uh, at some point, they they acquired favored items, and I had this monstrous like this high, like really high level warrior, and his favorite item was this like silver plate. It was a plate, and he he would drop weapons. <laughs> I'm trying like he was the leader of my army, and at some point he wound up killing a troll with a plate because he refused to use a weapon because he just loved this plate so much. It was just it's yeah. just uh, the stuff that would that happen kind of thing can so happen funny. in that game. Yeah, which yeah. makes makes the experience um, memorable. <laughs> Okay, but uh, we we got real sidetracked. Yeah. Okay, so Hinter Hearth, uh, Hearthlands. Hearthlands. Yeah, it's re- relatively new. It's again spat at me by Steam um, when I was looking for something calm and peaceful to play. Um, yeah, it's it's just another. Uh, it's fairly well done. There are different cultures you can play as, and there's a, a larger map. I haven't really gone through all of it front to back. I haven't been through one of the grand campaigns yet. But uh, it's a very similar thing where you build an infrastructure and people just move in and you manage the military and, and you're trading with different um, different cultures and eventually either coexist with them or kill them all because they're dirty heathens and then replace them with your people because you are better than them. Wow. Okay. Um, in terms of learning any kind of uh, theories or anything working in the background there, aside from economics, um, economics, market forces are really the big thing. Different cultures that you can play as have different strengths and weaknesses in terms of what they develop for food and beverage. Um, so different things take different costs to to develop, and you can trade them accordingly. Um, same with. Uh, you know, you might just happen to have a lot of a specific resource available to you on your section of the world that other people don't have. So that that's exploitable as well. But other than that, I don't know. It's there's not. I'd say it's more of a slower, a slower paced town building game. Um, yeah, it's a low stress game, so it's it's enjoyable for uh, a wind down kind of peaceful end to the night okay cool um were you playing anything else uh a couple games of smite over the week and i'm still waiting for <laughs> waiting to see if payday <laughs> if if, uh, if more people want to jump into payday again because that's yeah, that's you, a gr- that's great like fun yeah i like it a lot and that um, that's may- like maybe so you know what i i like it so much for so many reasons that maybe i'll talk about payday next week whoa i see what you did there okay cool so then um yeah you know what i'm gonna 
I was seriously thinking about talking about this game next uh, next episode, but I'm I'm just gonna talk about it now. <laughs> so I jumped into that Dragon Cancer. Uh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the <laughs> you don't want to give it a full episode. <laughs> no, I don't. Honestly, I don't. And it's like this is such a tricky game to talk about because it's a game developed as a tribute to somebody whose son died from cancer and it is about the journey of the family Mm -hmm. through the experience and i was like you know what this sounds like something i've never engaged with before but then like it comes with so much baggage because i like i actually bought this game because i felt bad for the developer because i had heard that twitch culture and youtube had basically robbed this dude and his family of the sales for the game because it's one of those games that you can watch it and then once you've watched it replaying it isn't going to give you that much of a new experience um i was like wow that's really shitty dude's kid dies of cancer and then everybody just sort of streams it and one of the big caveats going in was like don't read spoilers because if you read spoilers what's the point of playing the game and i was like okay so i just go into this game blind and i'm like okay you know what in all likelihood this game is going to reduce me into a a sobbing mess because like i have a young i have a young son um sickness is horrifying i grew up in a family where like my brother got really sick and almost died twice um and we spent a lot of time in hospitals so like this was all just stuff that was triggering me like crazy and i'm gonna be honest the the first part of it is constructed like it's a journey it's sort of um it's nebulous right it's uh it's like you're navigating oh also uh let's let's just lay this out I'm going to get a little spoilery and depending on how worked up I get I might just spoil the whole thing. So we'll we'll just yeah. <laughs> we'll just see. Yeah. Like you've been warned. If you're going to play that Dragon Cancer and you haven't heard about it yet and you haven't taken any time to learn about it yet, spoilers coming up. Um Okay. So it starts out good, right? It's it's a little bit whimsical. You're following this kid. Sometimes you inhabit the kid's body to do a few things. You play a few games with the kid. There's playgrounds, but in the background there's always this menacing pulsating dark mass, and that's the metaphor for cancer, right? It's it couldn't be more obvious. And it's awesome. They use the environment, they use the storytelling, they use audio like everything is being used here to convey this powerful narrative of this experience. Um you even get pulled into like hospital rooms you're you're and it's it's really like it's a walking simulator slash point and click and you know you're reading thank you cards and get well cards for hundreds of people there's this one this one area where that's happening or you know you're getting pulled into like just just after chemo or chemo treatment for the kid or radiation for the kid and just like he can't sleep and he can't eat because he keeps throwing everything up and like the dad is just so tired and wants to sleep and it conveys that and it does such a good job and then i'm spoilers then it just takes this heavy turn which is a justifiable way to grieve 
but it also isolates members of your audience um and it ostracizes good way to phrase it (laughs) um in that the later half and i'm not saying like the later third or the later quarter the later half of this game this game's only about two hours and half of it is devoted to god straight up um and it just it just pulls me right out of it like i went from actually having tears on my cheeks playing this game to i am angry and i don't want to keep playing it was that bad um and i don't know if it's just like that's just me um but i feel almost like i was fooled um because i know that this is how this family dealt with their child's death mm-hmm. um yeah but the entire <sighs> yeah and it, like how can i talk shit how can you even talk shit about this right <laughs> like how can how can, i want to try and be constructive about this and explain to you why this didn't work why it pulled me out and why i got upset and when i say upset i'm not like sad that the kid died of cancer i'm sad that the family relied so heavily on religion, religion for that um <laughs> And this is, like, in my mind, as an intelligent person who's played video games my entire life, I know why people didn't buy this game. And it's because the, the second you the second you took away from the powerful secular narrative, like, a sick child without the mention of God and faith, that's a story everyone can engage with. Mm-hmm. The second you bring Judeo-Christian God into the picture and make that the defining message, you you basically cut like I, I you, you just yeah. I don't know the world population, but like you cut a huge demographic of your audience out, right? Like I, I grew up I grew up Catholic, whatever, um, but like that is what got me upset well, well you, and yeah, then be, because it's like a clown coming over to your house and being saying like can i come in your living room and entertain you for a bit and you let the clown into your room and then suddenly it's a jehovah's witness and that's like <laughs> that's not what you agreed to <laughs> oh but i i don't know no what i the, the and this is the problem it's not that the game lied to you right the game it didn't lie to me um i knew it was going to be a game about a family's journey yeah. and the loss of their child because spoiler the kid dies right mm-hmm. and the thing is the way that they handled the kid's death i didn't even know the kid was dead until the end where all the god stuff had stopped happening and the kid was in heaven eating pancakes with his imaginary friend dog <laughs> and i'm like okay well no okay, now, well, now i'm well, in heaven yeah. mm-hmm. and this is this is how the game started and i get it like it's a circle yeah. it's a loop and it's interesting and it's whimsical and i love this stuff like this is the stuff that brought me in and i'm like why did all of that middle stuff have to happen like why why yeah they could have just rode and i don't even know like it, it wasn't even to break up the sorrow it wasn't even to break up the sadness because there was joy in, there was joy and sadness like it was decently paced until you hit the god and then you hit the god and like they were slamming you hard with it like it was yeah it it, it's and it's really hard to dismiss that kind of thing by saying well 
I wasn't the target demographic. It's it's not that you weren't the target demographic, that you were specifically excluded from the experience of the game. And that that becomes a bigger problem. Yeah. You know, like, the my, my thing, the reason why I was approaching this game, right? Like, I bought it because I wanted to see if this was a good example like number one i wanted to support the family right anytime anybody loses a kid to cancer holy shit that sucks like i wanted to support the family but number two i wanted to see if this could actually be used as a coping mechanism right face your fears face this thing yeah work through it right that's that's how you grow as a person right you you face these painful moments and then you learn how to cope with them And I thought, you know what, maybe watching this process, watching this family's process, this could be trauma education. Um, and if that's the case, why are more people playing this game? Yeah. Then I played this game and I was like, oh, that's well, their solution, <laughs> their solution is Jesus. Yeah. And that's not... Yeah. Yeah. But, and, like, can I actually say that's not going to solve everybody's problem i mean i know that the subjective process of grief is different for everyone and that for some people religion is going to solve the problem but i think we are getting to a point in society where religion isn't going to solve the problem for most people it will still solve the problem for some but not for most and i don't know if like (laughs) we just got heavy and dark Um, But, like, this is one of those situations where this was a game that had the potential to really appeal to a lot of people, even though it's, you know, even even though it's still, like, a Western representation of a kid with cancer. Um, And it just, it it, it disappointed me in a way I'm still having trouble articulating. Yeah. No, I I, I can understand that. And that's that's one of the reasons I still... um, I don't know if it'll make its way into this podcast, but um, I don't know if you ever played Life is Strange, but that to me is still one of the, it's still a really good delivery of, like, very few people played through that entire game and um, didn't care at all about anything. Like okay, it's, no, you know I haven't played it. No, I've heard no. things about okay. it, but I mean this—it's one of those games where, um, I feel I feel okay spoiling that dragon cancer because, Blech. I think it's an <laughs> no, well, no, I think it's an admirable effort. I okay. think their heart's in the right yeah. place, but at the end of the day, and, it's not and, a good. Yeah, game. and it, it, I I have no doubt that the game and the process of developing the game and everything was true and honest for them. I yeah. th- like that. I don't think that there was any malice or dishonesty in that. Oh God, Not no, at all. no. These like the good, good God fearing folk made that game, yeah. um, and they had the best intentions. And uh, they just like at the end of the day, they just wanted their kid to be one with God and to have other people worship mm-hmm. in their understanding of the, the you know uh, that that whole yeah. process. Like, and I can. I can try to empathize with that, but it just it broke me out of the narrative so quick and so jarringly that I got mad. Yeah. 
And that's why I brought it up, and that's why we're talking about it. Um, Yeah, it just, uh, it was one of those things that had the potential to work, and it didn't. (laughs) What did you learn from gaming this week? Uh, When I buy a game, I don't want it to print the Bible for me. (laughs) That's all. That's all. Just one little Uh. request. And I feel, yeah, I just, I mean, I, I hope we don't ostracize our own audience by even just talking about this. But at, at the end of the day, like, you, you need to be open. There's a global uh, community that exists, and yeah. it's, you have to accept that. Yeah, trying to be inclusive. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, at the end of the day, you could just say, well, well you know, you, you bought a religious game. Um, that was designed to promote religion. It's like yes, but that's not what was in the. It's not the st- marketing. Yeah, yeah. Um, once you go to the website, you're just like, oh shit, no, yeah, that's exactly what this oh, game okay. is. Like that's a hundred percent. Yeah, but the problem was, I just bought it straight off Steam. Yeah. I bought it off. I bought it through hype, right? Yeah. And the thing is, the quest to avoid spoilers so that I would get an <laughs> version of this experience. Yeah. Um, resulted in some seriously profound disappointment yeah. on my end. Um, <laughs> it's just like, and yeah. what was awesome is I'm just like, this is this game is a few years old and nobody spoiled it for me. And I was looking on Steam and I'm like, nobody's even played it. And as I'm playing this game, like as I'm actually getting my heart ripped out of my body by this fucking sad story, uh, Jamie Tubbs, our friend, mm-hmm. who has two sons is just like, oh, dude, I'm just not in a good place to play this yet. Like, I, I want to play it, I want to play through it, but I'm not emotionally ready. Yeah. And I said to him, because at the time, I, I legitimately felt this, I'm just like, I don't think there is a right time to play this game. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, I hadn't hit the God stuff yet. Yeah. But, like, if you were to tell me now, I would just say, just don't just play don't. it. <laughs> like, just don't just play don't. it. Um, yeah. Because he will yeah. react the exact same way that I yeah. do, right? Yep. Yep. <laughs> and that's what I played, Stu. Uh, well, if if you're looking for something to satiate that a little bit, um, like Life is Strange did get a lot of critical acclaim, and I've got to say it did a, it did what many of us who have been waiting for a good story to come out of gaming, like we've been waiting for something like this for a long time maybe not that particular story maybe not quite in that way but it accomplished a lot of things that that we've been waiting for i think fairly well okay without spoiling well, cool. anything i mean uh, i don't know i think it's worth i i genuinely do think it's worth going through it's a game that i when i looked at it thought there's no way i could get into this and i started watching a let's play or listening to a Let's Play, and eventually started watching the Let's Play, and at some point, it was, I think, a third of the way through the game before it really kind of caught me. Like, the first chunk, not really enjoyable. Um, but by the time you're halfway through the game, I don't know what it is. I don't... What... Where the... the, the where the... The shift happens, <laughs> but... Yeah. You... Yeah. It's neat. Without... You can't talk yeah. about it without reading yeah. it. Um... Yeah, and that's that's fine. Um, yeah, I I think that that's probably a game I should go back. I and check I, I out. highly and I, recommend it. Okay, well, I mean, coming from you, 
it means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, if I get some spare change, I'll yeah. throw it at that. Because, I mean, I, I was able to get through that Dragon Cancer pretty quick. Yeah. Um, this will, this will it be, was not an issue. It'll be a similar thing to get through the first one or two chapters of the five chapters of Life is Strange. I think the first one is free now, or was for a while. I don't know. I don't know. But just okay, keep it well, on the I mean, radar. It's, it's an older game. Yeah. And, yeah, and don't go searching for anything because it'll be spoilers. Oh, most likely. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Um, it's amazing that I can live in the wild and not get exposed to these mm-hmm. things. Um, but, uh, okay, uh, was there anything else you want to talk about, or should we bring this stuff to a close? Um, I don't have anything else here, I don't think. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so then, um, yeah, that well, that's it for this episode. Like, um, <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for taking the time to listen, even through that last little dark patch. Um, that dark mass, if you will. Uh, wow, that is actually yeah, really complicated. Yeah, we're do that. Um, <laughs> I'm not. No, God, like my move literary on, just move mind on, is just, just going. Move on. Cra- yeah, no, the dark mass is a metaphor. Okay, um, uh, we hope, and by we, I mean both means do hope that you enjoyed yourselves um, and didn't get <laughs> dragged down too much by that last part. Um, like Stu, do you have anything you want to plug this week for uh, I, before I, we go? That white box has at this point in time, I think six days left on it. Okay. That uh, it's a it's a Kickstarter for the white box, a game design workshop in a box, and it's I just can't get behind that enough. It's a wonderful thing. It sounds pretty yeah. cool. Um, yeah. Whereas for me, I don't. Uh, I don't have anything to plug this week. Uh, no Kickstarters that I'm. I'm backing. And um, yeah, just. Uh, you know what? Actually, no. I'm gonna. I'm gonna uh, definitely plug uh, Gaming History 101. Uh, Fred oh, Rojas yeah. uh, took the time. He he took the time to uh, to listen to some of our early stuff and give us some pointers and sort of help shape the way that this uh podcast is is going um you know just even even the the little amount of effort and feedback that he gave like that was huge and like uh his his website and his podcasts he's got multiple they've been going for quite a while um and it's definitely worth a check if you want the um he, they do uh they've got a couple different formats they've got gaming history x which is sort of a bunch of gamers with job kind of um <laughs> their opinions on contemporary games or retro mm-hmm. games depending on what they're talking about at the time and just things they like about the industry or don't right now and uh another one of their podcasts is gaming history 101 like the actual flag flagship podcast and that has a couple of formats one is their game clubs where they play an old game and then they talk about it and the other is the nitty-gritty history of whatever it is they want to cover um maybe not as in-depth as retronauts but that's only because they don't have the same resources and they're people with day jobs Mm -hmm. um but i think that they bring a type of charm and colloquialism that makes them more approachable than uh, say the game journalistic yeah. focus yeah. that comes out of Retronauts. So I've I've listened to uh, Fred and Jam. They're the uh, the hosts for most of the shows. I've listened to them for uh, I'd say at least two three years now, and never been disappointed. They've got a huge backlog. So 
um, you can really pick up anywhere you want. Yep. It's uh, definitely a good site. A lot of material, also written stuff on there, just really, really good. So that is my plug of the week. Um, all right, so if you want to learn more about Learn From Gaming Podcast, um, we've got all kinds of social media stuff going on. We've got Facebook, we've got Twitter, we've got our website, which is www.learnfromgaming.com. And um, once we really figure out what we're doing with this podcast, you should be able to find it on iTunes and other outlets. But until then, just uh, just stick to the site. Um, yeah, so... Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, tune back in soon. So uh, say goodbye, Stu. Good, good, goodbye. Hopefully uh, our next episode will end on a slightly happier note. Instead of a dark mass.